Well, our goal this evening is to um, hopefully get through Psalm 103, 104, and 105. Even if I just have to read 105, I'd like to go uh, there on Sunday. But before we dive in, let me just tell you a little story about Psalm 103. I, I remember over a year ago having a sub and going down to the Y to play racquetball. Now, this Psalm 103 is going to come into this story, so just hang on. Right in the middle of my racquetball game, I started feeling really nauseous and sick. And um, I, had to, I had to quit the game. And the guy I played with that day, Paul, it was the head of uh, the Kakana Police Department for many, many years. And he was concerned, so he stuck his head in. He took one look at me. And he, he says, uh, you're, you're going into dehydration. You need to be hydrated. And he says, I think we should call an ambulance. I said, we're not calling any ambulances. Are you kidding I said, forget about it. He says, okay, well, the next thing that's going to happen is you're going to have the shakes because I can see it happening. And sure enough, when I started to get the shakes, I said, okay, you can call the ambulance now. (laughs) Uh, He already did it anyway. They did it behind my back. Well, anyway, I end up over at Sainese in the emergency ward, and I got IVs in my arm, and they're trying to get fluids back in me because of some sub sandwich I had eaten right before that game. So it was just Judy and I in the room. I don't think she knew what to say. And uh, so she comes and sits by my bedside and just looks at me. And she started quoting Psalm 103. She didn't know what to say, but if you look at verse 3, it says, Who heals you of all your diseases and who redeems your life from destruction. Psalm 103 came to mind. Matter of fact, I asked her this morning. I said, "Um, honey, I'm going to be in Psalm 103. Do you know that one? And she says, well, that's the one I quoted to you in the hospital. (laughs) I said, no kidding, you should have never told me that because I'm going to tell the story tonight. That's where we're headed tonight. But the last song the worship team sang was, Bless the Lord, I will bless you, Lord, I will bless you. As we start Psalm 103, this is repeated twice. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. And then it repeats. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. And now the list will begin. But the Lord, in this psalm, um, it is one of my favorites because it, it deals with the issue of sin. But more importantly, this amazing attribute that our God has is a capacity not just to forgive your sins, but he can actually forget about them. He has that ability. He's God. He can do what he wants to. I just wish that was uh, an attribute that we all had because we have the tendency sometimes to uh, confess a fault or a shortcoming over and over again. And the Lord heard you the first time. Uh, But let's get into that. What are his benefits and heals you of your um, diseases? Uh, Who redeems your life from destruction? who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Um, Peter, in his epistle, here's uh, uh, big tough guy Peter, and the reoccurring word when you read uh, any of his letters is precious, precious promises. And uh, I like the, the tender mercies of the Lord, who satisfies your mouth with good things, And I like this, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Um, You can stay young at heart, even when you're old. 
I'll be pushing 64. I'll hit it, hit it soon. And um, yet I signed up for softball this year. <laughs> and I want to keep playing racquetball, and I want to keep playing softball. And I just, I, I think one of the benefits of, of uh, a natural benefit of, of following the Lord um, I've been a Christian now for over 40 years, but my lifestyle was anything but godly before I got saved. And I don't think I'd be playing softball at 64. I don't think I'd be playing racquetball if it wasn't for just living the Christian life. And um, I thank the Lord for that. There are certain benefits that just go along with natural ones that go along with being a, a true believer in the Lord. But he does renew your strength like uh, the, the eagle. And verses... Um, 5 through 12, now we're going to get into, uh, or 6 here, the whole issue of forgiveness of sin. <clears throat> says the Lord executes righteousness and justice for all those who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and he's gracious. He's slow to anger and abounding and mercy. He's, you know, um, I, I think especially in our youth, I remember when I went to Bible school, I was assigned to this one guy because he had a wick that was this long and he could, anything could trip it. And I was actually asked to just kind of keep an eye on him because uh, he, the smallest thing could set him off and the fists would be flying just like that. And I don't know, maybe it's just something about being young. And um, having a short wick, I remember Chuck confessing that in his youth, uh, if he hit his hand with a hammer, or that thumb with a hammer, that hammer went flying across the room and (laughs) verbiage with it. And um, he said over the years, the Lord took his, his temper away from him. And I think that's another thing about the longer you are with the Lord. Two things happen. You become very, very grateful that he's been slow to anger and patient with you. And that um, the other thing is, Paul, it was later in his life that he made the statement he was the chiefest of sinners. I think the closer you get to the Lord, the more aware you are of your sins. Somebody want to give me an amen on that? Uh, but when you're, when you're young, I think you take a lot of things for granted. And um, But I'm glad the Lord is slow to anger and abounding in mercy. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger together forever. And he has not dealt with us according to our sins. Am I ever glad of that, that he doesn't deal with us according to our sins? We often get asked the question, so how are you doing? Good answer is, better than I deserve. How are you doing today? Well, I'm doing better than I deserve. For the heavens, for as the heavens are high above the earth, think about that. The heavens are as high above the earth. So great is his mercy towards those who fear him. And as far as the east is from the west, well, how far is that? We're talking infinity. What a great verse. As far as the east is from the west, so far, he has removed our transgressions from us. Now, just keep your finger here in verse 12, and I want you to turn to the book of Isaiah, 
chapter 38. Isaiah 38, and I'm just going to read verse 17. <clears throat> it says, Indeed, it was for my own peace that I had great bitterness. But you have lovingly delivered my soul from the pit of corruption, for you have cast all my sins behind your back. This is Hezekiah. And uh, he's pleading with the Lord um, that the Lord would hear his prayer and extend his life. And the point that he's getting at in, in uh, verse 18, Lord, if I die, who's, how can I praise you then? And uh, this is when the Lord had come to him and said, get your house in order, you have 15 years. And he, he pouted and said, Lord, I don't want to die, not now. And the Lord, the Lord allowed him to live. But one of the things that he's acknowledging you have cast all my sins behind your back. In Isaiah, I won't have, you can turn there if you want to, but it's Isaiah 43, 25, says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own namesake. Uh, he does it because of his reputation. And then he says, I will, re, I will not remember your sins. And this is a verse, I think, <clears throat> that, we need to put to memory, allow the Holy Spirit to drive it into you, and next time you feel like um, beating yourself up over something you've already confessed to the Lord. And this, we're talking on a daily basis here. First John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, well then he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sin, and then we add this right here, and he'll remember it no more. He's not gonna bring it up again. Some people are like that. They, they have a root of bitterness can grow up in their heart. And if they haven't forgiven, then that root of bitterness can spring up at any time and actually defile other people. Um, that's human nature. Uh, the Lord, in his nature, is once you've confessed that. And we're talking sincere repentance here. Let's think of um, well, what would be a good example. John 8, the woman caught in the act of adultery. You know, the law says she should be stoned. But what do you say, friend of sinner? And he said, well, you know the story. He gets around to finally saying, well, let the guy who's never sinned before cast the first stone. And he had gotten rid of all the, the guys that were bringing the accusation. And Jesus looks down at the woman and says, where are your accusers? He said, none, none here, Lord. And then he says, I want you to check in for six months of counseling and, um, and make sure you've you got a serious issue here that needs, needs weekly counseling for sure. That's not what he said. He said, go, right? He just don't do it anymore. Go and sin no more. But notice she called him Lord. There was, a, there was an act of salvation and redemption on the spot. It's not recorded. She said the sinner's prayer, anything like that. But God saw her heart. She says, okay, just don't do it anymore. So when we confess a sin, of, uh, especially, especially in the, that area, I mean in the times that we're living in, oh my goodness, now it's the threesomes instead of um, um, that's making the news. And there were a lot of people that were saying the Pandora's box is going to be open if they legalize gay marriage. And sure enough, now there's triplets. And I, I didn't get it at first when I heard these news. One was on the East Coast and one was in, 
Indonesia or Thailand. And I thought, um, I just thought there were three weddings for gay people. That's what I thought it was being said. No, no. Uh, three people in one marriage. And it's, that's happening right now. So there's reason that the Lord has set up his guidelines and um, it's for your benefit. Marriage should be between a man and a woman, period. And um, that's going to become more difficult to be able to stand behind the pulpit as I see things unfolding in our country where they'll, they'll probably make this a hate crime someday. And um, then I get to go to prison, I guess. Because they're going to say, I can't say that. And I'm going to say, well, I have to say that. It's better. This is where, you know, when, the, when they were going to threaten uh, John and, and Peter. And they said, you can't, you can't preach the gospel anymore. And they said, well, you can't obey the law on that one. I will obey the laws of the land. The Bible tells me to. It tells me to pay my taxes, I'll pay them. And so on and so forth. A lot of them I don't like, but I pay my taxes anyway. But if they tell me that I can't teach this book anymore for what it says, and I've got to compromise with it, well, then I'll end up in jail. Anybody want to go along just for the ride? Okay, good. I, good fellowship, right? <laughs> All right, so the benefit and the attributes of God that we see here in Psalm 103, the reason we should sing praise songs, and I don't know if they looked ahead at my text tonight. I didn't know if they knew the first two things that were going to be repeated is do that. Worship the Lord. For what? For what he's done for you. You know, humans might, you know, hold a grudge, might not forgive you. That's, that could be human nature. But if you're going to represent Jesus correctly, then you can't have that root of bitterness. And um, forgiveness needs to be given. And I wish, I wish that uh, I had that gift of being able to uh, not remember people that are maybe have wronged you in the past or wronged me in the past. Wouldn't it be great just to never allow the enemy to have play with your head with that? Remember, we're told not to be ignorant of the enemy's devices. You know what one of his biggest devices is? They call him the slanderer. That's one of his titles. Why do you suppose they call him the slanderer? Because he slanders. And um, he, wait till we get to the Proverbs because it talks a whole lot about the tongue and choosing your words carefully. The Bible tells us that we're to bring every thought into captivity. And before it comes out here, sift it through here, sift it through this book, what would the Lord do in this situation? And then um, it says speak little, listen much, and never argue. And I'm looking forward to getting into the Proverbs because it deals with real you know, practical issues like that. But as we pick it up here, we're, let's pick it up now, because it changes to the reality 13 through 16 of just how frail um, we are as creatures. It says, as a father pities his son, so the Lord pities those who fear him. For he knows our frame, and he remembers that we are but dust. You know, um, <laughs> the human body is frail and um, I won't be here next Wednesday evening because my favorite uncle, Uncle Roger uh, both my Uncle Roger and Uncle Vern both had heart issues in the Deauville family 
And they died real early, before 50. Dad made it to 84. But um, his wife, my Aunt Luella, uh, went to be with the Lord. And, um, and the funeral is going to be, uh, they're going to have a, a sort of like a reception on Wednesday evening, and the funeral is going to be uh, 11 o'clock. And we're going up to Kadat, Wisconsin. And uh, I'm going to be in the church that my mom and dad were married in. And that's where they're going to have the funeral. So I'm excited to see some old friends and cousins. Um, and uh, I believe my aunt was saved. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing some uh, cousins and so, so on and so forth. So Lane's going to be taken next Wednesday, but I'll be up in, just so you know, up in Kadat, Wisconsin. It's beautiful up there. All right. Our frailty. Well, that's what happens. Um, I like 2 Corinthians 2.16 when Paul's talking about the Christian life and um, what we look like. He uses the terminology as more how do we smell to other people. In other words, when people are measuring us up and observing us and watching us, he says we're aroma, a sweet aroma. We want to be an aroma that, that leads to life. In other words, when people use, uh, uh, verse 15 says, for we, for we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved. People are, he's using the term, how do you smell, in other words? Are you smell, smelling good or are you not smelling so good? Body language, how you handle a trial. Um, are you able to smile through a trial and believe that God actually is going to work it out for good? People are going to watch it. Well, let's see how he handles this one. Either it'll smell good or it won't. But I like what Paul says here. He says, who is sufficient for these things? Answer, none of us are sufficient. Matter of fact, as Paul said, the farther you walk on with the Lord, the more grateful you are for his long-suffering and his mercy and his grace. You just become more grateful. And you want um, you want to see that. I'd... Um, uh, Paul Smith is such a sweet, sweet guy, and he, uh, just being around him, he's, he's, all these years of walking with Jesus, there's just a sweet aroma that comes off the guy. And what's that from? Just a lot of years of walking with Jesus, walking and talking with Jesus. So the frailty, um, the, he knows that we are dust, and he was tempted in every area, just like you and me, but uh, he passed it. As for man, his days are like grass, as a flower of the field, so it flourishes. Again, that, that'll be remembered at the funeral next Thursday morning up in, for my Aunt Luella. <clears throat> for the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its place remembers it no more. Now, beginning in verse 17 through 22, um, the Psalms, uh, by the time we get to Psalm 106 and finish that one, we'll be starting book five. But what we have here and what we've commented on quite a bit already about the Psalms is a lot of them are future in its context. Uh, it says, for the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. It's hard for us to wrap our head around an eternal being. I can I can kind of grasp a line going that way forever. 
But what my, I can't wrap my head around is that there's already a line going that way. That's always, always been, forever and ever. Eternity. From eternity, from everlasting to everlasting, for those who fear him, and his righteousness to his children's children, to such as keep his covenant, and to those who remember his commandments to do them. The Lord has established his throne in heaven. This is like, and his kingdom rules forever. Well, this hasn't happened yet. He hasn't established his kingdom in heaven. The uh, chronological order, if I had just run through it real quickly, is you have man being born into a perfect environment. We're going to see that in Psalm 104, because Psalm 104 is all about creation. They sinned, and we have the first 11 chapters, and we have uh, um, chapter 6, where the Lord says he won't strive with man. The flood came. There was longevity of life, and... um, God made a covenant with Abraham. We have Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We have Jacob's sons. Joseph is mentioned in Psalm 105, verse 16 through 22, and we'll get there tonight and talk a little bit about Joseph. But it gives that history. And then after him, a pharaoh that rose that knew not Pharaoh, uh, Joseph, and we have 400 years of bondage. We have on Sunday the gospel being laid out with the deliverance from Egypt. You'll find it amazing that the judgments that brought the children of Israel through Moses, what set them free, are almost identical to the judgments in the book of Revelation. And we'll do a little bit of tying that together on Sunday. I mean, it's actually eerie just how similar the judgments are from the Exodus. Well, then we have them becoming, God kept his promise, brought them into the land. And you have the rest of uh, the history of the kings, uh, the judges, and so on and so forth. You have the church age, began with Pentecost. It will end, according to the book of Romans, with the rapture of the church, which will, I believe, begin the seven-year tribulation period that I think is right around the corner. But then what this verse here is talking about forever, his kingdom, this is even after the thousand-year reign upon this earth because now you're going into yet the future where he tells his angels, bless the Lord, you his angels. Angels are not, um, they haven't always been, let's just put it that, that way. They were created. All the angels were created by Jesus. First Corinthians, uh, Colossians, chapter one, verse fifteen. All all things were made by him, whether they're powers or principalities. They were all made by Jesus, and the powers and principalities are as a reference to his angels. So what you have in verse nineteen is a psalmist. It's just the psalm of David, talking about his everlasting throne. So gang, you got a great future. Um, this is as bad as it's ever going to get. Isn't that encouraging? I think it is. This is as bad as it's ever going to get because it's either going to be in a twinkling of an eye or you might get in a car accident and the Lord might take you out that way or you just might be old and frail and wearing out. But as soon as that's done, 
What does what does scripture say? To be absent from the body is what? And present with the Lord. I don't know why I take all this health food stuff. I mean, I think I'm prolonging the process that I'm, when I'm gonna get there. I said, I wish I wouldn't take on all that garden of life stuff. I, would, I could have went home a whole lot earlier. No, I'm just kidding. Everybody wants to go to heaven, nobody wants to die. That's just the way it is. And um, it's an in, in, interesting. Anyway, verse 19 is yet future. Bless the Lord his angels who excel in strength, who do his word, heeding the voice of his word. They're his messengers. The book of Revelation. It's the angel of, of the Lord. Comes and speaks with, with John, who's the Lord himself. Bless the Lord, all you his host, you ministers of his who do his pleasure. Bless the Lord, all of his works, in all places of his domain, and then the psalm ends in Psalm 22 with the way that it began by saying, bless the Lord, O my soul. Why should I bless the Lord? Because he doesn't remember my sin anymore. And I say, praise the Lord for that one. And um, uh, knowing that I'm gonna sin again, I don't want to, you know. Spirit is willing, flesh is weak. Guys, couldn't you stay up and just pray with me this night? It's gonna be the hardest night of my life. Just hang in there and just pray with me for a couple hours. And the Lord comes back and they're all sacked out. And um, that's where he quotes, you know, I understand, guys. You're, fl- you're human. He understands our frailty. And so we find um, uh, the reason that we, we bless the Lord and are grateful. And we write worship songs and we sing worship songs. And I think the only way that you really truly can bless the Lord is you really realize, like Paul says, that there's no good thing in you. We really don't believe that. There's nothing good in me. That's what the Bible says, nothing. Gotta be something somewhere. Well, actually there is. But if there's anything good that comes out of here, what does it say? Every good and precious gift comes from where? From above. So. If somebody compliments you about something that you have or do, you can be gracious and say thank you. But in the back of your head, you better say, Lord, all the glory and all the praise goes to you. I know who I am. I know that in me dwells no good thing. And, um, and that includes all of us. So that blessing of the Lord is spontaneous. It should be very, very natural that you're grateful. And uh, it's a result of uh, our sins being forgiven. Psalm 103. All right, Psalm 104 is a, a psalm that really has creation uh, laid out. And I'm wrestling with this Sunday. I wanted to do 104 and I wanted to do 105. And I'm pretty sure we're going to end up in, in 105. So let's <clears throat> take a look at Psalm 104 here. How does it begin? Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord my God, you are very great. You are clothed with honor and majesty. Who covers yourself with light as with a garment. And I'm just going to stop here. Um, Genesis 1 verse 26 says, Let us make man in our image. We have the Lord speaking to the Lord, Elohim. It's not El, that's singular for God. We have in verse 1, in the beginning, Elohim, in the plurality. God created the heavens and the earth. Well, it's actually plural. 
And in verse 26, let us make man in our image. When they were created, he says, who, you, who covers yourself with light as with a garment. Now this is just my theory. I don't know if Adam and Eve were clothed with light, but I think they were. And this is one of the reasons I gravitate towards that thought. Before the fall, I think after they sinned, the light was taken away, that glory. And I think it was very recognizable. And um, they knew immediately that they were naked. Or they were clothed with something before. And uh, whatever that was, I believe because of this verse, it was light. And then it says, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain. On the first day of creation, Genesis uh, 1, on the first day God said, let there be light, and there was light. There wasn't the sun and the moon, there was just light. And um, we're going to walk through the Genesis account and see creation in Psalm 104. So this first thing here is his light, the Shekinah glory. Now when you get to the book of Revelation, it says there is no sun in Revelation 21 and 22. It says, for the glory that comes from the, from the presence of God himself in the new Jerusalem will be the light. And it's an amazing thing to think about. Um, in verse three, he lays the beams of his upper chamber in the waters. And this verse right here is interesting because on the second day of creation, God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters. Very interesting verse, Genesis 1, verse 6. And now he's talking about this creation psalm, about the chambers in the waters, who makes the clouds his chariot, who walks on the wings of the wind. I love the poetry of this here. On the winds, wings of the wind. But when we think about the second day of creation, he had land separated, but then it talks about even being um, above um, the earth. And um, <clears throat> I'll tell you what I think of here. I, this canopy that I believe existed. Because when you read Genesis 7, verse 11, well, I'm getting a little ahead of myself here. Let's just read verses 4 through 6 next, and then I'll take you to Genesis 7. Who makes his angels spirits, so he created them. Um, it's Job that tell, tells us that all the angels rejoiced on the day that the Lord laid the foundation of the earth. And there was singing and shouting and cheering on behalf of the angels. So the angels were first because they were there when the creation took place. You who laid the foundations of the earth so that it should not be moved forever, you covered it with the deep as with a garment, and the waters stood, notice, above the mountains. Let's just stop there. So we have waters beneath. We have boundaries being set, separating the land from the waters. But then 
We read in Genesis 7, verse 11, in the 600th year of Noah's life, the second month, the 17th day of the month, on that day all the fountains of the great deep were opened up and the windows of heaven were opened. Um, We have two things going on here. Probably a water canopy because... um, you don't have a rainbow till after the flood. Is everybody tracking with me? So the, the, the idea that there was a water canopy probably kept out a lot of the uh, radioactivity that the sun, you know, you're told to put on sunscreen for a reason. And um, it produced longevity of life. So that Noah here, he's 600 years old uh, when, when the flood, flood hits. And he says... The promise that I'll never do it again was a rainbow. There wasn't a rainbow until the flood, which I believe when it talks about the heavens above the, the mountains in verse 6, well, until the flood, you had the waters burst open from underneath, and, uh, but also from above, and uh, that's where we have the flood taking place in Genesis chapter 7. But here we're still in a creation account before that took place. All right, let's, let's um, on the third day of creation, God says, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let dry land appear, and it was so. So that was on the third day of, of creation. All right, let's look at the fourth day, and we'll read from verses 7 through 19. At the rebuke they fled, At the voice of your thunder, they hastened away. And they went up and over the mountains. They went down into the valley to the place which you founded for them. You have set a boundary that they may not pass over, that they may not return to cover the earth. And he sends the springs into the valleys which flow among the hills. They give drink to every beast of the field. The wild donkeys quench their first thirst. By them the birds of the heaven have their habitation. I'll be coming back to when they were created. They sing among the branches, and he waters the hills from the upper chambers. And the earth is satisfied with the fruit of your works. He causes the grass to grow for the cattle, and vegetation for the service of man, that he may bring forth food from the earth, and wine that makes glad the heart of man, oil to make his face shine, and bread which strengthens man's heart. The trees of the Lord are full of sap, and the cedars of Lebanon which he planted. Who was I just talking to? Um, I can't remember, but we were talking about the weather. And he says, um, it's maple syrup time. I, I got to get to my land because maple, these are the perfect conditions right now. I don't know anything about tapping a maple tree for maple sugar, but evidently when we have weather like we're having right now when it's cold and then warm, it's just a peak time for, for tapping them. The trees of the Lord are full of sap. Great maple syrup. The cedars of Lebanon can be planted where the birds make their nests, the stork her home for, in the fir trees. The high hills are for the wild goats. The cliffs are a refuge for the rock badgers. Um, how many of you have the King James? Does it say Cooney there? Yeah. 
a cooney. Cooney is one of my favorite little creatures, and we always see them when we're at En Gedi. They look sort of like a ground squirrel. And um, here they're called rock badgers, but they're about, you know, they're about that big. And uh, they, they're in uh, the rock. Every time we go to En Gedi, we see coonies, along with the wild um, goats that it's known for. Now the verse that I'll stop at. He appoints the moon for seasons, and the sun knows it's going down. All right, let's just stop there, and I'll, I'll go through the fourth day. <clears throat> On the fourth day, Genesis 1.16 says, Then God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. I like that. He just sort of throws that in there. He made the sun and the moon. One was greater than the other one. And oh, by the way, he created all those billions of galaxies, the Milky Way, as far as we can see with any, any of our best telescopes, we're finding out it's bigger than we ever thought it was. Every, they keep changing the numbers, how many billions of light years across it is. I think we're at 17 or 18 or who knows. But um, in one little verse, he just says, oh, by the way, he made the stars also. God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light on the earth. Just a little bit farther away, and we'd freeze, just a little bit too close, closer, we're the perfect distance away. What is it, 93 million? I'm, I'm trying to think back to high school real quick here now. <laughs> but um, just so much pressure for gravity uh, so that we could exist, and it's perfect. And if it wasn't perfect, it would, uh, there would be no life on this planet. But notice that this was made on the fourth day. So you, you already have... Um, um, what did God create on the fifth day? That was the daily animal life. So that's appearing. So we have animal life before this, so we really don't have a chronological order as we read through Psalm 104. But on the fourth day, I just want to point out, that's when the sun and the moon were created. Let's read now verse 20. It says, You made darkness and its night, in which all the beasts of the forest creep about. The young lions roar after their prey. They seek their food from God. And when the sun arises, they gather together and lie down in their den. Man goes out to do his work and his labor until the evening. O Lord, how manifold are your works. In wisdom you have made them all. And the earth is full of your possession, this great and wide sea, in which are innumerable teeming things, living things, both small and great. Um, We have um, fish as small as a minnow, and then you have the great uh, whales of the the ocean, both small and great. Living, uh, there the ships sail about, and there is that Leviathan, um, I believe that's a reference to dinosaurs in this verse, along with Job 41.1 says the same thing, which you have made to play there. <laughs> playful, playful dinosaurs, that's a good one. Verses 20 to 26, what did God create on the fifth day? Well, this was the day the animal life appeared. 
Genesis 1.20 says, and God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creatures that has life. It became alive and with living creatures and um, everything that exists and lives in the ocean. Now, what about man? Verse 27 through 30. These all wait for you that you may give them food in due season. What you give them, they gather in. Uh, you open your hand, they are filled with good. You hide your face, and they are troubled. You take away their breath, they die and return to their dust. You send forth your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the earth. So in verses 27 through 30, man is now going to be put on the earth. This is now coming up on day six. His home is ready. So for the first six days of creation, remember sun and moon don't show up till day four, and um, the plant life was already created the day before. Now, Genesis 1, 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him both male and female. He created them. So we have the stage set. Verse 30 says, you sent forth your spirit. They are created. Well, out of the dust of the earth. God breathed into the nostril of man, and he became an eternal being. Now has a spirit. He now has a soul. And then, interesting, that it wasn't the same for the woman, because the Lord caused a deep sleep to call, fall on Adam, and it says he took one of her ribs, and from the rib he formed woman because she was taken from man. And that's literally where it comes from. Um, and now we have, basically, I hope you, you see it, Psalm 104 is called the rehearsing creation. And we can see the different um, days. And finally in verse uh, 30, we have men put there to, to care for it and keep it. We don't know how long it was. One of my questions I want to find out about. How long were they there before they fell? Week? Month? Year? Couple of years? We don't know. It doesn't really tell us. Man is on the earth. Uh, verse 34 and 35. Uh, uh, let's go to 31 first. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works. He looks on the earth and it trembles. He touches the hill and they smoke. It's interesting to me now that the Lord looks at his works. When God finished his creation, God looked and he said that it was very good. He looked at everything he had created, looked around, and uh, then, of course, afterwards, when he had finished, he rested. It was done. It was all done in six days. I can't, I can't wait for this summer. Um, we're going to have a creation uh, conference here at Calvary on Saturday, and um, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to those that are able to make it to the Grand Canyon with uh, Russ Miller on that trip. And uh, we'll be, I'm sure a lot of this is going to be re recounted. Um, <clears throat> verse 34 and 35, I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. 
And may my meditation be sweet to him. I will be glad in the Lord. Now, in these verses 34 and 35, this is what it's all about, gang. Why are you here? What's your purpose? Well, the reason you're here is to know your creator. And this book that we study here is to remind us what this is all about, what we're here for. We're here to bring glory to God. Somebody want to give me an amen on that? But in our own uh, prayer life, um, what I like doing, what I did before I had this tinnitus thing going on, um, I wanted to know, I went to see a specialist about a year ago, and they, they looked in my ears, and they um, said, well, you're getting old, number one. <laughs> and they said, your hairs are starting to bend over like that. And they said, that's one of the reasons that you're having a problem with the tinnitus and so on and so forth. And I guess there's a whole lot, lot you can do about it, but it affects my ability to have a tone that I used to have when I used to play and sing. Because part of my, my morning devotions, I would like to sit around the kitchen table, play guitar, just sing songs just for a while. And um, my voice can't handle the notes like they used to. So I don't do that as much as I'd like to. But here, we're told to do that. We're told that when you start your day, or when you go to um, bed at night, the meditation of the Lord may be sweet. I will sing to the Lord. It's amazing how many times we read the Psalms, and the Psalms themselves are songs themselves. When we read a song, it was meant to be sung, um, especially the Psalms of, of David. But again, it, it closes with the, um, <clears throat> the reality of what's going to happen to those who die in their sins. May sinners be consumed from the earth and the wicked be no more. They will. Those who die in their sins um, will face the great white throne judgment. Every deed they ever did will be brought up, everything, given account for every idle word. And, uh, and then after the judgment, it tells us that they were cast into the lake of fire where um, uh, the devil, and the antichrist, and the false prophet will be. And then, again, bless the Lord, O my soul, praise the Lord. So Psalm 104, if I'd sum it up, it's a psalm that is like Romans 1 that talks about creation. Matter of fact, let's, be, let's before we dive into Psalm 105, which I really just want to read and then go more slowly on Sunday morning through Psalm 105, let's turn to the New Testament, to Romans chapter 1. Because <clears throat> it deals... Creation is so important. One of the things I want to point out, why I hold to a, a literal six-day view of creation, where a lot of people are buckling under the, under the pressure to succumb to uh, millions of years uh, between verses one and two. I have to confess, many years ago, I held to what they call the gap theory. And... Um, um, but I, I couldn't get around a couple issues. And one of the issues is Exodus clearly says for six days God created the heavens and the earth and the seventh day he rested. And that's literally a 24-hour period of time. But then we find that there was no death. If you take Genesis, literally, the creation account, there was no death before sin. When 
Sin came, death came. That's the order. Sin first and then death. Well, if you hold to a thousands of years or millions of years, I think they said they just found another fossil that they spec six billion years or millions, millions and billions and years ago. The reason as a Bible-believing Christian you can't hold that is now you have death occurring before sin. And so you can't have it both ways. We have death happening. We have fossil records. We have the dinosaurs, supposedly, that would have been millions of years old. You can't have it both ways. And um, having said that, in Romans 1, people who don't want to follow the Lord, John chapter 3 says, they don't come to the light because if they come to the light, their wicked deeds will be exposed. And I was well aware of that when I thought, well, if I become a Christian, I can't do this anymore, I can't do this anymore, I can't do this anymore. And I was going, I was going through the can't-do list. And um, it wasn't until you're born again, and it says, then it turns into, I don't have to do this, I don't have to do that. <laughs> it wasn't, I don't get to, I said, no, I don't have to. I'm freed from that. But in verse 18, <clears throat> talking about those who won't believe, It says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Now notice this. They suppress the truth in unrighteousness. So it's not a matter of not being able to look at a sunset and know that there's a creator. You know there's a creator. And if you say otherwise, either you're lying or God is lying here. And my Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. So you want to give me an amen or not? So if you say you're an atheist, you're a liar. Or you say you're agnostic. Just give them the real root meaning, word of, of, of an agnostic. It comes from ignoramus. So if you want to go around bragging about being an agnostic, <laughs> go on, brag on. But here, notice that Paul's choosing the words. They're suppressing the truth. It's not that they don't know the truth. They just don't want to admit it. And John 3, verse 17 or 18, somewhere in there, tells us the reason they do this is they don't want to come to the light because their deeds are evil. Because what may be known of God is manifested in them, for God has shown it to them. What do you mean? How has God showed him that he is? Verse 20, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. Everything that we just read that God made, that David wrote about in Psalm 104, you look at the complexity. Or I just think of, of dogs in particular, okay? There are dog people, there are cat people. I realize there are, there's this ongoing war between dog people and cat people. One time, got time for a story here? Anybody want to hear a side story? Just for, I'll throw it in for free. Well, I was on one of my trips to India to teach at one of the Gospel Fraser Bible Colleges. We have a Bible college in Austria we call it the castle. It's beautiful. And I'm just passing through. I'm only there for a night, and um, it's a layover, and then we're on our way to India. Maybe we were there for two days, I don't remember. And uh, they didn't know me, and I didn't know them. I want to break the ice. I want them to warm up to me, and I want them and vice versa. Everybody's tracking with me, right? When you meet somebody for the first time. So I go to the director of the school. I says, 
can you tell me anything about the students that, that, that I can get their attention really quick? He thought for a while, and he goes, yeah. All you have to do is say you're a cat person or a dog person. Because all they do on the side around here besides study and eat is argue about who loves dogs and who loves cats. That's all I needed. So I get up there real serious, and I said, well, you guys don't know me. It's, it's good to be here. I, I wish it was under different conditions. Um, Pastor Chuck asked me to come and speak to you. We hear there's a little division going on. You could have heard a pin drop. And going, oh, no, what did we do? There's, and I, I let the, you know, I, I let him think about it. Pause for, uh, let me show you how uncomfortable things can get in 10 seconds. That's just 10 seconds. <laughs> and then I said, I love dogs. And then there was another pause for 10 seconds. But I had them. <laughs> I had them for the rest of the night. They finally got it. Chuck really didn't send me to check them out. I was just passing through. And I'm a dog, I'm a dog lover. And you're wondering, where did that story come from and why am I telling it, right? Well, because, because of his creation, his invisible attributes, what is it about a dog? They'll love you all the time, no matter what. They'll, they'll slobber your face if you let them. And uh, that's just the thing about dogs. Cats, on the other hand, if you want them to come to be petted, all you have to do is ignore them. <laughs> ignore them long enough, and then they will come to you. And then maybe they'll let you pet you if they feel like it. I told Judy today, I went home and, and uh, resting a little bit, and she says, why don't you take a nap? I said, yeah, I think I will. And my only comment was, so this is what it's like being a cat all the time. Just, this is what it's like. That's all you do. You know? If they were on a farm, they could earn their living by chase, taking care of the mice. You know? That's why Betty finally got a cat. And because uh, they had mice in the house. Well, that, that cat was earning her keep. Boy, I'm really getting sidetracked here. The whole idea of a dog that loves you no matter what, who from the time you put your foot out of the door will sit by that door until you come back in that house. He's waiting for you. And um, that is, um, came about by <laughs> millions of years of evolution. Come on, really. Think about it. And so they're suppressing the truth and unrighteousness Creation is a slam dunk. There is a creator. Watch the sunset, whatever. Pet your dog. Next time you pet him, no, this, God created this. And understood by the things that are made, even his eternal Godhead, so that they are without excuse. There's no excuses. There will be no good excuses on Judgment Day. Why? Because of creation, period. Let's go back and see if we can at least read through Psalm 105 because I want to... Use it for my text on Sunday. I'm not going to teach on it. I'll leave uh, the creation part of Psalm 104, the main part of our study tonight. When we get to Psalm 105 and 106, they are different. They are meant to go together. They're both historical. They're the historical accounts of, of, of uh, the nation of Israel. And I'm simply going to read it, and we'll call it a night. Oh, give thanks to the Lord and call upon his name. And make known his deeds among the people. Sing to him, sing psalms to him, and talk of his wondrous works, glory in his holy name. 
and let the hearts of those rejoice who seek the Lord. Seek the Lord in his strength and seek his face evermore. Remember his marvelous works which he has done, his wonders and the judgments of his mouth. O seed of Abraham, his servant, you children of Jacob, his chosen ones. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all of the earth. He has remembered his covenant, he has remembered his covenant forever. The word which he commanded for a thousand generations. The covenant, for instance, which he made with Abraham, his oath to Isaac, and confirmed it to Jacob as a statute, to Israel for an everlasting covenant. On Sunday, I'm going to talk about the, uh, a theological term called dual covenancy, where there's one covenant supposedly made for the Jews and one covenant for Christians, and we'll go through that on Sunday. Um, but an everlasting covenant saying, to you, and by the way, I'm not in agreement, just sort of the record tonight, in dual covenant C, and I'll explain that on Sunday. So I will give to you the land of Canaan as the allotment of your inheritance, when they were but a few in number, indeed very few, and strangers in it, when they went from one nation to another, from one kingdom to another kingdom, he permitted no one to do them wrong. Yes, he per- proved kings for their sake, saying, do not touch my anointed ones, and do my prophets no harm. Uh, prophets like Jeremiah, they did do harm to. They didn't want his, they didn't like the message, because it was one of judgment. Moreover, now in verse 16, this is um, about Joseph, 16 through 22. Moreover, he called for a famine in the land. He destroyed all the provision of bread. He sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with feathers, fetters, and he was laid in irons until the time that his word came to pass. And this is, of course, the dreams that he interpreted, not only to those that he was in prison with, but also Pharaoh. The word of the Lord tested him. The king sent and released him, and the ruler of the people let him go free. He made him lord over his house and ruler over his possessions. Joseph was the second most powerful man in the world. To bind his princes as his pleasure and to teach his elders wisdom. Now, Israel also came out of Egypt and Jacob sojourned in the land of Ham and he increased his people greatly. He made them stronger than their enemies. He turned their heart to hate his people to deal craftily with his servants. And our text Sunday will start here. He sent Moses, his servant, and Aaron, whom he has chosen. They performed his signs among them, wonders in the land of Ham. He sent darkness and made it dark. And they did not rebel against his word. He turned their water into blood, killed their fish, the land abandoned with frogs, even in the chambers of their kings, He spoke, and there were swarms of flies and lice in the territory. He gave them hail for rain and flaming fire in the land. He struck their vines also and their fig trees and splintered the trees of their territory. He spoke, and locusts came, young locusts without number, and they ate up all the vegetation in the land and devoured the fruit of the ground. He also destroyed the firstborn in the land, 
the first of all their strength. And what we've just gone through are the uh, miracles that were supernaturally performed when God decided to raise up Moses. Now, where we're going to go on Sunday is we're going to get sidetracked and show a lot of the similarities that are happening here by Moses, who I believe shows up again in the book of Revelation. And he's one of the two witnesses. And I'm probably giving out too much. How much time I got here? I don't have any time left. Since when has that stopped you? Somebody's thinking out there. In the book of Matthew, chapter 17, there's Moses and Elijah. What are they doing there? We know for sure that Elijah is one of the two witnesses because that's the very last verse of the Old Testament. I will send you Elijah before that great and terrible day of the Lord. We know for sure he's one of them. But I'm pretty sure the other guy is Moses. I mean, who better (laughs) to preach the gospel to Jews than Moses and Elijah? And they're going to know it. How are they going to know that's really them? Because the same miracles and wonders that were done in the deliverance of Egypt are going to be done again in the book of Revelation. Almost identical. And that's just a little teaser for Sunday. But this last one here, of course, is Passover. And um, we're going to preach the gospel from Psalm 105 uh, because Jesus is the Passover lamb. And he was sacrificed on that particular feast. Um, Verse 37, through the end, he also brought them out with silver and gold. There was none feeble among his tribes. Egypt was glad when they departed, for the fear of them had fallen upon them. He spread a cloud for a covering, for shade, and fire to give them light at night. This happened for 40 years. The people asked, and he brought quail, satisfied them with the bread of heaven, manna, He opened the rock and waters gushed out. It ran in the dry places like a river. And he remembered his holy promise and Abraham, his servant. And he brought out his people with joy, his chosen one with gladness. He gathered them into the land of the Gentiles, that's the promised land. And they inherited the labor of the nations that they might observe his statutes and keep his ways. He brought them out for a purpose. Their purpose was to know him, to follow him, and to love him. And then it ends with this great praise the Lord. Why don't we just say it out loud and close in prayer. I just say it together. Praise the Lord. Let's stand in prayer and we'll do this just that. Lord, thank you for your word tonight. We are grateful for so many things for our salvation. Especially, Lord, as we think of your attributes and one of them being the ability not only to forgive but then you forget and you never hold it over us again this just causes us to be thankful so lord we do bless your name you alone are worthy if any good thing comes out help us be quick to give you the glory for who you are so bless your people as we go out tonight i pray for sunday morning as we continue to make our way through your word please bless it in jesus name amen